0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 678.
1: Always be teachable or coachable.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Matt Mormon. Hey, Matt, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I'm here, sitting back in my chair ready.
0: All right, cool. We'll have a little bit of fun. Matt Mormon owns and operates Obsessed Garage and Obsessed Wealth Management. He has a degree in electrical engineering and in his early career designed and sold home theater systems. He later worked as a wealth management advisor for Merrill Lynch. After being medically diagnosed as obsessive-compulsive, his doctor suggested he get out of his own head and let others in. So Matt created Obsessed Garage. He started a YouTube channel and produced the Dialed In podcast. He followed it up with an Obsessed Garage website and a store, all focusing on people who are obsessed with their passion for automobiles and their favorite room in the house, the garage. I can relate. Matt's life tagline is all or nothing. So, Matt, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your business, your career, the Obsessed Garage, and your passion for automobiles?
1: Sure. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. You know, I'm I'm one of the uh the one of those sort of rags to wherever I'm at story. I, you know, I grew up in a trailer park and eventually went to went to Villanova and just outside of Philadelphia and uh, stumbled my way as an electrical engineer into the the world of high finance. And, and eventually uh, sat on the phone and cold called uh, for years and years and years and asked people if they would let me or entrust me with their money. And then that turned into a, an obsession with, uh, with financial information. You know, I have, I have 10 designations, so like certified financial planner and oh certified gosh. investment management analyst. And yeah, I'm, actually, this morning, I was studying for another one. So this appetite for knowledge, the, the beauty of financial planning is you will never find The bottom of the well, there's so much information available. And so I've been pursuing that ever since and and then kind of stumbled upon this whole idea of developing relationships through cars. And that's that's kind of where I'm at today. And now I'm attempting to figure out what to do with all these people that are following me (laughs) (laughs) and how to how to manage that.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's my world as well. So I understand completely. But you've taken a very interesting path through all sorts of things to end up where you are and why you're on this show today, because obviously you love cars and I follow you and I look at all the people following you and it's just a a whole clan of us enthusiasts that just love our cars. They love our garages. We we know that's our favorite room in the house where we spend all our time. That's where I spent most of my day yesterday, as a matter of fact. So we're going to learn a lot more about you as we continue on your journey. But first, I always like to start with a success quote, some kind of saying that's been instrumental in your life, informing your success, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah, so Matt, take the wheel.
1: I think the biggest, the the, the biggest quote uh, is that, that I've I've always taken to heart is always be teachable or coachable. Mm. I learned that, uh, and and I, it, it never it just happened naturally for me. I, if a coach told me to do something, I would go and I wouldn't just do it. I would obsess over it. And, and so I've had many great mentors in my life. I played volleyball in college. And then, of course, at Merrill Lynch had a, had a great mentor. And um, even even going to something as simple as a detailing school, I've been to uh, Todd Cooper Ryder's detailing school. And Todd's
0: been a guest here on Cars, yeah?
1: Yeah. And, and so the, the tendency, like I've been detailing for 15 years, and the tendency would be to show up at Todd's school and, and be a know-it-all. But I just feel this strong sense of I'm always reminding myself to be coachable, be teachable. And so that's a, a quote that my mentor Jim at Merrill Lynch told me, and I've always taken it to heart.
0: Well, it sounds like that's what you've done with your life. It's kind of that old saying about Kaizen and the always sharpening the saw, always working on being a little bit better. And uh, certainly you are an obsessed guy. I mean, it seems like you dive in headfirst to everything you do. So how have you incorporated that concept into what you're doing now with, say, the Obsessed Garage?
1: Well, just take an example of you know, the YouTube channel. I have eighty eighty one thousand subscribers, and then usually I'll put a video up and I'll get you know four or five hundred comments. Well, I I notice that most YouTubers don't follow up on comments. They, I'm sure they read them to to a large extent, but I have this obsession with if somebody asks me a question, I need to figure if I don't know the answer, I need to connect them with the person who does. Or I need to at least follow up and respond. And so e- even though this whole thing happened by accident, uh, everything that I do has a level of um, – I'm, I'm, I'm almost overly uh, – it, it, it consumes my, my entire train of thought. Mm. <laughs> and so, so that's that, – that transition into uh, – or transitioning my certain skill set into into the world of social media – has been – I think that's what's built the audience. Sure. is that uniqueness, that niche uh, has has helped build it.
0: Well, it sounds like too the fact that you engage. You don't just put something out there and walk away. You always want to help. You always want to respond to somebody, help them with their questions, help them answer their challenges. So uh, I think that's probably a key part of your success. At least it sounds like it to me. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? When you look back in time, is there a pivotal moment in your life when you realized that you were a car guy?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I remember it vividly where I, I felt like I made the transition. My dad, you know, growing up when I was in, I believe, second grade. So I forget how old, what are you, seven years old or so when you're second grade show, showed up with a um, I remember it. We we lived in a trailer park and I was looking down the hill. He knew they were coming on a, with a flatbed with a 66 GTO so that the GTO came on a flatbed with the body and the chassis and then a flatbed with all the parts. Oh, goodness. And, and so my dad <laughs> built that from scratch. I, I don't have that Skill set to paint and to do body work. I just I've never developed that, but he can fix anything. And and so I always loved it, but I didn't think of myself as a car guy. It was built into me until my sophomore year in college. I walked into the Acura dealership, and there was an Integra Type R, a black. Integra type R there. And I'd come into some means by selling home theater. And I, I realized I want this car more than I could possibly explain.
0: <laughs> of course,
1: I didn't get that car. My dad wouldn't co-sign on a $25,000 loan, but I did, uh, I, it did light a fire. I eventually ended up getting a Civic, uh a Honda Civic SI. And that's, that's how the journey got started from there. <laughs> it was over. So I was about 19 when it really, the fire was stoked. So I would pick that Integra Type R moment walking through the dealership as the one, you know, as the one, as yeah. the one, the one day.
0: <laughs> the day you got bit. Very nice. Yeah. Well, what I want to do, Matt, is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. And, and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your career, in your business, in your life.
1: That's the perfect question this the, and and I have a you know a perfect answer for this, in that two years ago actually in August of two thousand and fourteen i had um I was managing so I was a senior vice president and a resident director senior resident director at Merrill Lynch, I was managing the market for Merrill Lynch, had a couple of hundred clients with millions and millions of dollars that I was managing, so I was making more money than any you know thirty five year old should probably make and really had life by the horns. Mm-hmm. And I decided that uh, it wasn't enough. I needed to start uh, my CFA, the Chartered Financial Analyst curriculum, because I wanted to get that designation, even though I already had eight other designations. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so uh, what what happened was we had my daughter, and I had a complete meltdown. Oh, like, goodness. And now that I can look back on it, what really happened was I closed everybody out. I decided I was the man you know, the proverbial man, Mm -hmm. I decided that I'm, you know, I can control my own destiny. I'm in charge, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a superior person. And I, I honestly think it was God coming down, kicking me in the brain and saying, dude, you know, you're not all that. Yeah. And so I couldn't, I couldn't drive. I, I, I would go to the office. My wife would have to come pick me up. And I would um, uh, basically what was happening is I was having anxiety attack after attack after attack because I'm oh. obsessed with I'm obsessed with the next 40 years of mine, uh-huh. my clients and everybody else around these lives. And I just couldn't let it go. And so eventually we they, and, and it's hard for me to admit this, but eventually I had to go meet with a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist put me on some happy pills and they said, well, you need to go and you need to meet with a psychologist in order to get off these happy pills, because mm-hmm. you don't want to be on these forever, right. and and the psychologist essentially told me, look, dude, you need to get out of your own head, and that then led to me journaling the experience of my cars on Renlist. list. I have a 911 GT3, and I had a an F80 M3 at the time, and I you know started journaling like nobody has ever journaled in their life. Mm. If I you know, if I wipe some tar off the rear bumper, you know, I would share that in pictures and write an article about it. Yeah. And I got tens of thousands of views and people emailing me and contacting me and wanting to know my story. And so it was a way for me to open up. You know, normal people would go knock on their neighbor's door and shake their hand and introduce themselves. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, decided, I decided to share my life with the world yeah. in blog form. Then that eventually turned into a YouTube channel because video is much easier to produce than writing a, you know, a five-page article. Right. You could set up the camera and accomplish the same amount of work in, in a quarter of the amount of time. And then the response, again, I got was just amazing. Being an introvert, even though I'm in a profession that's normally salesman-oriented, oh, yeah. I'm a ma- massive introvert. I'm an engineer type. I mean, you know that type.
0: <laughs> yeah, I married one.
1: <laughs> I just happened to be good enough at faking it and and making the amount of dials or talking to the right people in order to make it in the business. Mm-hmm. But that OCD meltdown is what completely changed my entire life. It opened up this whole idea that I'm not better than anyone. I'm just different. And yeah. so embracing that difference has led me. I left Merrill Lynch and have started my own business. And it's just been this whole domino effect of massive change just because of this I call it my OCD meltdown, but it was a a life-changing event.
0: Well, this is an incredible story, and and I want to thank you for sharing a really personal story. I think that's been part of your, if recovery is the right word, I'm not sure, I guess recovery is the right word. Would that be okay to say? Yeah. Yeah, is is a a way of putting yourself out there. But I want to touch on this a little bit more because I would assume there's a lot of people out there that are feeling anxiety, they're feeling stress, or feeling all these things and they don't know what's going on in their head. And I think what that psychologist said to you about getting out of your head or letting people in your head is, is really important. So what could you give our, and this is a long, complicated answer, I'm sure, but maybe in a condensed form, give our listeners out there that might be feeling similar types of things going on in their own mind, their own body, that might give them some help so that they could move forward as well.
1: You know, I think the big epiphany for me, and it's easy to see now, is that, you know, I I had always thought that, you know, people didn't matter, right? That relationship wasn't important. Mm. That it was about the personal pursuit, and that yes, I, I you know, ethically it's fun and it's good to to help people. You know, whether it's with their money or if you're a detailer or if you're a you know you own a, a service related business, you know, something that's good, to, always good to help people. But to, to, the, the big epiphany for me is that it really is about the relationship with people in your lives. It, it doesn't have to be fake or superficial. It can be if if you if you let yourself put yourself out there, like I have in an insane fashion, um, (laughs) if you put yourself out there that, that then you'd be surprised that the relationships that can come from that, you know, just the connections that I've made. I mean, it's the whole reason why I'm on this, this podcast and the people that I've met, it's absolutely insane. Rather than just sitting in my own garage, in my own head, thinking too much, just put it out there, whether again, it doesn't have to be YouTube, it doesn't have to be Facebook. It, it can be your neighbor. It can be somebody down the street. But it's the biggest piece of advice I can give anybody knowing what I know now is just let other people in and then let them make the choice of whether or not they want to be a part of your life or not. And that that can change the world. I mean, that's for me.
0: Wow. What a story. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Let's shift gears, Matt, and go to the what I call the other end of the spectrum. It's It's kind of a career aha moment now. (laughs) Obviously, you've shared a bunch of aha moments in your life, in your career. But is there one in particular you could single out for us when those headlights came on and kind of illuminated your way for a new direction? And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success.
1: There's a very clear moment where I decided that I was going to pursue this whole thing, this whole obsessed garage, obsessed wealth idea, because it was never an idea. It wasn't like this entrepreneurial, like I've got this great idea that I'm going to put into place. It just kind of, there's been a natural transition. It just happened accidentally. And I've been making, I was making all these videos and getting thousands of views. And I want to say maybe I had 15 or 16,000 subscribers at the time. This was a little less than a year ago. And I had a friend who's a who also co-hosts my podcast with me. He's a great storyteller. It's just that's his gift. And he said to me, he said, Matt, people want to be able to tell their story. They love listening to yours, but now they're ready to tell their story. And he said, What I think you should do, and I normally don't I don't always I always listen to advice, but I don't always implement it. Um this was this is a guy that whatever he tells me to do, I do because he just gets it. And he just he just He fills in the gaps that I don't see. He said, what I think you should do in seeing what what you've been doing is you should start a private group on Facebook. It's the simplest, easiest way to allow others to participate, to tell their story. And Mark, I kid you not, I mean, I I didn't really have any expectations, but I made a quick, well, quick for me, 12 minute or so video just inviting people to be a part of the group. And in hours, I had roughly a thousand people.
0: Holy cow. Wow. I and mean, that was
1: my goal. I thought, you know, it would be cool if I had a thousand people in a private group. Yeah. And it wasn't even the number of people. It was like a barrage of like I had to change the notifications in my news feed. I mean, you've been in that group. It, in the beginning, it was like like every second of every day. Like people were just pouring out their heart. Mm. And, and I didn't have to participate. I didn't have to create anything. It was just people were, were begging for an outlet to mm-hmm. contribute. Yeah. And from that point, I'm like, you know what? i've got a brand here i've got a something that people identify with this isn't just a matt Mormon thing this is a this is a true community. This is a true thing that people identify with obsession and passion right and i'm kind of the ringleader of that by being one of the most obsessed. And so giving people that, that ability to participate was massively powerful. And then that's what led to me leaving Merrill Lynch and creating obsessed wealth and now really chasing the dream that is relationship based on something more than just, you know, just, Hey, I have a business. You give me your money. Right. Instead, right. it's now it's, it's, we have something that we identify with. And again, it's not even about the stuff. It's not about the cars, it's not about the garage, it's not about the flooring, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about it's about the passion for something and and I think people can identify with that.
0: Absolutely. Congratulations for that. Wow, that's powerful. Well, how about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many, but is there one that stands out for you that you could share?
1: Um, I think I think that the thing that makes me proud and it's really hard to explain this. Um, and I have all these. I mentioned earlier, I have all these designations. You know, I've got I twenty something letters, but I lost count. How do you fit all name.
0: that on a business card?
1: <laughs> I had to have a special custom one made. Yeah, Marilyn said you're just not doing that. So you know <laughs> now. Now that I have my own business at Raymond James, they they let me create my own custom card. But yeah. um, you know, there's a certain sense of vanity in that. But if people really understood the story of the, I, I've taken fifty two. Two plus hour long proctored exams at some sort of examination center in order to have those. Those well, I now have nine designations. Mm-hmm. I've given up a few of them just because they didn't make sense anymore. And so the designations are just the letters behind my name are just a sort of a you know it's a proud thing. It's a, it's a culmination of the work and effort that has gone into becoming a so called expert in a particular field. Absolutely. And it's really, really hard to explain that to people without sounding like a jerk. You know, hey, I have all these designations, so I'm smarter than the next guy. It really is more of just a sense of the commitment to something that that makes me, you know, gets me fired up about it. Yeah, I'm learning how to tell the story so that people can land with people. So then they really get the level of obsession that I'm not like anybody else.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Absolutely. I don't think you are. That's a, a, a astute statement to say the least, as I've learned more and more about you. Well, let's have a little bit of fun. I would love to know about your first really special car, that first car that you got that was really special for you, something maybe you'd strived for, and maybe uh, share a memory you have with that vehicle.
1: That's hard for me to answer because I'm obsessed with anything that's going on at that moment in time. But this is really clear to me. It was I got a 2011 E92 M3. It was the first really expensive car that I bought. Are you familiar with BMW's Performance Center delivery? Oh yeah, where you can you go to Columbia, South Carolina, and you pick it up
0: at the yeah uh, the, awesome place.
1: Yeah, one of my favorite places in the world. The people there are great, and and um, you know Donnie Eisley was a, a, a driver there who was who. who I took delivery from and he took showed me all the features of the car and I wrapped the whole front of the car and drove it directly home and spent I took the entire week off of work and spent the entire time you know doing the polish and then put the exhaust and all the the black you know the the, the black chrome parts and got rid of all the chrome and you know and, and, nice. and put, the, put all the parts on the thing and then and got it you know dialed into my spec at that time and that was the first time in my life where I had the means to have all those parts waiting, go and buy the car, pick up the car, do the whole experience. It was really something, something oh, special, yeah. something I'll never
0: forget. Oh, no, absolutely. That's a great way to get a new car. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned that you've let go that you really wish you had back in the garage? Yeah, that's the one. Same uh, car, huh? Okay. Yeah, I mean,
1: I really, really wanted but part of my – I'm big on this. I call it car progression. Right. Mm-hmm. You take the progressive steps. If you wake up and you're sixteen years old and you end up with a, you know, with a with a four, five, eight or something in your garage, maybe at least this is what I tell myself, maybe the progression isn't quite as uh as as satisfying. But I really wanted a nine eleven. I mean, so my dream was to have an M3 daily driver and a nine eleven weekend car. And so I, in order to get to that point. I felt the need to, look, I've got to trade my E92 M3. I'll end up with another M3 someday. But as I traded my M3 in for a 911 Carrera S. And, you know, of course, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I had that car back. (laughs) I'll, I'll buy another one at some point in the not too distant future. I almost bought one a few months ago when I bought the GT350. But my next E92 I buy. I don't want to drive it all the time. I want to just keep it forever.
0: You know, I did something really similar. I, I've always loved 911s. I've had a bunch of them, and for a while I had a couple E36 M3s and an E46 M3, but I really wanted a 993, and I found one and bought it. Uh, these were my daily drivers, but the commute I had was terrible. I was sitting mm-hmm. in traffic, and after about eight or nine months, I just went, man, I wish I had my M3 back. You know, <laughs> it, was just, <laughs> it was the wrong car for this, and at the time I couldn't have both in the garage, so I uh, ended up selling that to somebody. I actually made a few bucks on it, which was was kind of cool. And bought another uh, E46 M3. Yeah, I understand. I understand the affliction there. I have the same <laughs> disease for sure. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. You know, we're into the new year here. Happy New Year to everybody. And I'd love for you to talk about what has you really excited and fired up today.
1: Um, I'm fired up about a lot of things, but uh, I I think that the, the the current obsession is I'm creating a a, a planning a financial planning solution um, that really doesn't exist. I I think I believe that planning and 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 finance are, are a really difficult thing to to get organized. Uh, and and even if we do organize it, like I feel like I'm great at getting people organized, but there isn't something they can touch and feel on a regular basis. In other words, they can't access their plan on a regular basis in a, in a in a place that they can touch and feel. And so I'm creating that system, and I finally found the software that meets my standards. And so currently I'm I'm building that that software in an app um, where where my clients can go and just touch and feel their plan in real time.
0: Nice. Uh, where
1: are they at? You know, if they take 50 grand out to go buy an M3, where does that put them? Mm-hmm. And have that, you know, have that updated in real time that they can touch and feel. And so that's what I'm super excited about, um, you know, creating that and, and building it so that it's mine rather than just using what's, you know, what's available today.
0: Very exciting. When do you think that'll be available?
1: I'll probably have it in beta test form in the next 60 days. Oh, OK. Very uh, quick. Yeah, it's, it's it's happening.
0: Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Well, wish you the best success with that. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Matt. If Matt was a car... What kind of car would he be, and why?
1: Now, I really want to be. I would. I. I. I'd like to think of myself as a GT3, right? Because a, a, I identify with Porsche and me, or we're like, you know, it, it just makes sense. You know, it explains my. You know, 911 explains my 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 psychology. <laughs> but I'm not a GT3. You know, I'm too. I'm wound too tightly. I'm too scared at times. I'm not as aggressive as a as a GT3 is. So I. I think like a. Like, maybe like a, I like to think of myself as a, a 911 Carrera S with like an X51 package and with a, with a power kit. Oh, nice. You know? So, so yeah, that's what I like to think of myself as, as your precision, you know, engineered well. Um, there's some flaws, you know, the engine's out back, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's some, some idiosyncrasies there that sure. can be a disadvantage, but I figure out a way to make it work well. Nice. So that's, that's kind of, I, I think that's what I identify with.
0: Very good. Well, I appreciate you put some thought to that. Perfect answer. I like that. So, Matt, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yass yeah sponsors. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jump start a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra SIPC. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week? Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark.carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. Okay, Matt, we're back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Drive
1: it. Don't worship
0: it. <laughs> yes. Scratch Queens. Boo. <laughs> Go out there and have some fun. I can't tell you how many cars I've sold and I've watched them drive away. And I looked at my wife and said, God, I saved that car for that guy. Why did I do that? <laughs> I should have <laughs> driven it more. <laughs> ah. And then I did it again. Uh, I'm learning. But I will take mm-hmm. your advice. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? It's very clear. Just a, a
1: high level of organ, organization, you know, and, and thought goes into everything that I do. It's almost to the almost to the point of crippling at times, but there there are some significant pros to that, and, and then managing the cons are the key. But but organization is 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 the key contributor.
0: There you go. Now, how about a resource? There's a lot of great ones out there. Could you recommend one to our listeners?
1: <sighs> I I, <laughs> I hate to toot my own horn, but I. I Go ahead. It's really hard to find, um, you know, quality information and garage-related stuff. Um, so I, that's why I created ObsessedGarage.com. And so so that's the place, I think, that I would suggest people go to if you want to learn more about at least what I what I think is good, you know, the products.
0: Well, I recommend it as well. So I'm glad you put that out there. Now, here's a funny question, kind of a new question here on Cars, Jack. You could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased? Who would it be?
1: I, I thought about this. I think I'd probably want to meet and spend some time with uh, Andreas, um, is it Prueninger? Pruninger, Pruninger is that his name? Uh-huh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh-huh. yeah, the head of the GT division at Porsche, just to sit and pick his brain about some of the projects that they probably have wanted to do but didn't do and and of course the direction, and of course I'd like to kick and scream like every Porsche enthusiast about the GT cars and them being marked up and some of the other crap that's going on. But
0: yeah, sure the R model. But, and all that.
1: Yeah, uh. I'm sure he has an opinion on that. Um, you know, that hardcore enthusiasts like myself and 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 many others that can't, like I can't buy. I would buy a GT3 RS today, but I can't. I'm not going to pay a hundred thousand dollars more than what it costs.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: you know, it's 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 yeah. So I would love to sit and chat about
0: thoughts and oh, you know. very interesting. Ah, oh, that sounds like a great person to sit and talk with. Fantastic. Well, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners should crack open and read this new year?
1: Yeah, I, I don't read many books, believe it or not. Um, I read um, short. I, I run out of energy. But the, the last book I read, which is probably one of maybe five that I've read in the last ten years, is called "Lean: The Lean Startup." Oh, okay, yeah. I'll have a tendency to to go and invest too much time, money, and effort without, you know, w- sometimes it's better to just start lean.
0: That book is by Rees, I think, right, Eric Rees?
1: I, I think so, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, great book, great book, uh, great recommendation. Well, appreciate that one. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that Matt has shared on his very own show notes page at the Cars Yow website at com slash mormon. There's another great place called Guest Recommended Books where this book and the past, gosh, 677 guest books are listed for quick, easy access. It's a great resource if you like reading books. There's got to be close to a 1,000 books listed there on the website now, so check it out. All right, Matt, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one collector car, real cool old collector car in your garage, what would that car be and why?
1: And I'm such a simple person, like I, I could answer the same, you know, same answer for all these questions. It'd be, you know, I already, I already gave it away. I'd, I'd buy a 991 um, GD3 RS and I, I'm just, I'm such a, such a sucker for new technology um, that, that I want to love old cars. I want to like, want to have like a classic Porsche or something. I just don't. And so uh, a 991 GD3 RS, white, you know, white with black and you know, black wheels and carbon ceramics and, mm. you know. <laughs> and then I would modify it. I'd have a, you know, like like my current GT3 has a Dundon Motorsports cat, catless equal length headers and, oh, a, nice. and a tune and stuff. So I would I would do the same thing to the RS and I'd keep it forever.
0: Oh, oh man, that tugs on my heart as well. So <laughs> I think we share some similarities in our passions for 911s for sure. Well, Matt, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed learning more about you. And I want to thank you for sharing your obsessed journey. With the Cars Yacht listeners, could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that GT3 RS?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think if I was – like I give young people advice a lot now that they see me doing what I'm doing and they want to – gt3 or they want a you know a great gig like what i have and of course it'd be nice if i could share the videos of the of the of the pain that goes into creating (laughs) that that luxury right yeah but the, the advice that i give them a lot is figure out a way to influence influencers rather than trying to influence everybody yourself if you can influence the people that influence everybody around them now you have a real business you have a real you have real potential to create something uh, and so that's the, that's the realization that I have is that I have 80,000 people that follow my stuff and the vast majority of them are the people in their life that others come to for advice. And, nice. and so that's, that's powerful. The leverage you get from that is, is more powerful than I can explain.
0: Great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business?
1: I, I think the, the best produced thing that I do is, uh, is the dialed in podcast, and it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with my my co-host, Brian Orr, who produces it for me. Uh, and then, of course, my YouTube channel, Obsessed Garage. Just Google Obsessed Garage and you'll find my YouTube channel and Instagram uh, uh, feeds. And then uh, ObsessedWealth.com uh, should be up uh, soon if you're interested in, in that sort of thing. But that's the best way to find me.
0: Fantastic. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Matt's been so kind to share on his show notes page at com. Just type in Matt, his page will pop up with links i would encourage you to check out what matt is doing wow he's built a, a tremendous business here around his passion for cars and doing things right and sharing information just uh, uh fantastic what you've done really appreciate it and i want to thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the cars yeah audience until we talk again i'll see you down the road thanks Mark. you're welcome